There's a place where phantoms walk among us, where refs see penalties that do not exist, where offensive linemen cannot see the fouls they commit. This is a place where phantom seconds return to the clock and the ghosts of failures past converge with the futile efforts of the present. You're about to enter that place. Welcome to the Denvers. This is Quinn. I'm Derek. And this is the Denverse. And really, my main question is, how quickly can October get here? Because it's just getting too painful. Yeah, my gosh. Um, Still 80-some-odd degrees outside. I'm waiting for that crisp bottom air to hit. And that's like sports golden season for me. Um, We're getting close, though. Two weeks from tomorrow night is the Avs home opener. So... I'm just waiting for that. Abs and Nuggets. Yeah. Um, Less than a month's time for the Nuggets as well. Although still no updates on contract negotiations for altitude. So we have to watch the Abs and Nuggets live or not at all. It was interesting today. Adrian Dater said something about maybe it would be Amazon or YouTube, which could mean he's just throwing ideas out there. Or it could mean someone has said something to him because he is someone that has the contacts. So I guess we'll see. I've heard that as well, and I'm down for it. I already pay for Amazon, so it makes more sense than my cable um, subscription. But we're hoping. The clock is ticking very quickly towards opening night for both teams and would love to be able to sit and watch um, from the comfort of my home or a bar somewhere. But for now, we have our Denver Broncos to tide us over but it's not looking so hot. So in case you missed it, the Broncos lost 16-14 to 14 as time expired. I just wanted to go over the end of that game. About 10 minutes left, Flacco threw a red zone interception that I think people in the stadium thought was returned for a touchdown because then everybody left. <laughs> which may have just been frustration of we know how this one's going to end, which they did not, clearly. Yeah, well, you can't predict exactly how it's going to go bad for <laughs> the team, but you can assume it will. And uh, Did you stay till the end? Yeah, I did. Um, it was because there was still a lot of time. I think uh, he turned it over with like six minutes to go, three timeouts. So you have four with the uh, two-minute warning. So there was plenty of time. And that was the first drive that the team looked like. Okay, yeah, we got this. And it was just – an errant throw, a miscommunication between Flacco and Sanders, who balled out and yeah, he, within the last few minutes scored that amazing touchdown catch in the and, corner. And the two-point conversion. So that came at the end, 30 seconds left. They drive <laughs> down, get a touchdown, but they didn't get the two-point conversion right away. They lined up for it. Then they jumped. They, the clock Delay ran game, out. Yeah. yeah. Then they kicked a field goal. McManus missed a field goal, but... Extra point. Yeah, the, the yeah. extra point. But then um, Chicago was offsides. So then they go for two again. And that play especially was like, yo, why can't the offense always be like this? It was a perfect like five and out route for Sanders with um, two other receivers clearing out the box. It was like perfectly drawn up play, executed to perfection. Um, and with 
the game on the line, it looked like, oh, okay, Denver's got it together. But then, Derek, what the hell happened in 30 seconds with a pretty inept Bears offense to that point? Before the last play, and I guess that drive, Trubisky had 95 yards. It was just a disaster. Like, it was one of the worst performances of all time. So there's a roughing the passer call where Trubisky still has the ball in his hand when Chubb hits him that they call 15 yards right there. Yeah. They're not doing anything. Like, they have nothing. And that gets called. The only explanation that I've seen that made any sense was that you're not allowed to fall on the quarterback. Yeah, the uh, Chubb put his full weight on the quarterback. But they were both falling down. I don't know how one can physically shift their momentum to roll away from the quarterback as they're both falling. Like, there's no way that they could have called that had it been a straight-up sack, could it? No, it was... Yeah, the other way it wouldn't have been called. So it was it was a bad call. And then they make that 25-yard throw to get within field goal range, or fifth, I don't know exactly what it was, and time ran out. The clock runs out, and somehow they're like, oh, they called timeout. Never saw them call timeout. There was never a replay where they called timeout. It was a simultaneous down by contact and timeout. Which, I mean, I haven't watched the super, super slow-mo version of it. Um, I mean, really, like, one prop is to, uh, I think, Allen Robinson, the receiver, because he caught it. And Chris Harris was, like, four yards away from him as he's falling to the ground, but the dude rolled, like, immaculately towards Chris Harris. If Chris Harris had had his hands in the air, it then it wouldn't have been down by contact. So I was like, there was 0.2 seconds left. Like, the time it takes to get a shot off in basketball to beat the buzzer was pretty much the time between being down and the timeout. And if you can no longer shoot, then I think you can no longer call timeout. I think that should be the rule. <laughs> fair, that, fair. Like, they never call that. That's never something they do. Well, because they had to, like, go back and review, and they're like, yeah, well, I guess we gave them the timeout. The Bears get one more play. And it was real funny just being in the stadium because Bears blue and orange is very similar to Broncos blue and orange. So you couldn't tell who was who, but just based off of the different groans and reactions in that last 30 seconds, like each team thought they won five different times in the stands anyway. Um, And I was watching that play specifically because I was like, Yadam, don't fuck this up. And I can't tell if it was Yadam or uh, Kareem Jackson, but they were playing a zone, and they just let the receiver walk right behind them. It was just such a collapse, and it's amazing that our offense hasn't been great, but we've been resigned to the fact that the defense is going to carry the offense for the last four seasons now. And in that moment, all even with being screwed over by the refs on that roughing the passer play, the there was no reason to believe that Chicago was going to get in field goal range because Trubisky hasn't, hadn't been able to throw the ball at all. And the man was left completely wide open. And Trubisky had six seconds. Yeah, I mean, I think through most of the game, the Bears did a good job of not holding on to the ball, which is neutralizing the pass rush. There was no excuse for those last few plays. Even after the Chubb penalty, he just had all the time in the world to make a play. Yeah, and I mean, it was... The dude was so open that you or I could have made a solid attempt at that throw. 
and we'd have enough space because there was no pass rush that got to him. Which I mean, now this is game two. Time to like put the APB out on Von Miller because I didn't see him once this game making any impact whatsoever. And he was has always been a clutch um, sack master. Not in any way, shape, or form. And it's clear that the running defense is worse. They can't stop the run. I mean, the passing defense is worse. And if those two things don't come together, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what Vaughn's going to do. He's not playing well, but also, what are they? I don't, I don't know what they do. Uh, well, we <laughs> didn't finish the sequence. Of course, as you can hear from our agitation, the final sequence was that uh, they got the timeout, and then the Bears kicked a 53-yard field goal as time expired. Um, it's really upset to see a kicker that hype um, in in Power Field at Mile High. Uh, the Bears fans were going crazy, but it was just like, had they just not scored a touchdown in, or had they just like had the Bears gotten the pick six at the goal line six minutes ago? It would have been so much easier because we there was no reason to believe that the Broncos were going to come close to winning the game, and then they they literally came within a bad roughing the passer call and a weird zero second timeout. Um, but yeah, it's because no one was able to play a full game of football. There was a great shot um, Ryan Green had on CBS. He does those game blogs uh-huh. of Sanders just throwing his helmet as far as he could into the tunnel after the game, which was just amazing. And that's sort of how I think everyone feels. I feel like Flacco has been pretty good. Like he did have that interception. Otherwise he's been better than I thought he was going to be. Sanders looks great. Sanders, I'm absolute renaissance for a dude, I think 32 coming back from a torn uh, Achilles. The dude balled out. Absolutely, against a very good Chicago defense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sanders had every right to be as angry as he was because he put the team on his back the way you want a veteran to do. Flacco, I think he was 32 of 50 for 292 yards, which in any situation, you don't want your quarterback making 50 pass attempts. Um, that's not a great recipe for winning. And it's a pretty low percentage um, or average based off of 32 completions for less than 300 yards. Well, and again, they stopped running, and it wasn't like the running game. Like, both of them had big runs, both Lindsey and Freeman. They ran 24 times combined during the game, so they did half as many runs as throws, which I know they were behind, but it was a close game. Yeah. Like, they've got to run more. Both, like, that's your offense. Those two... And Sanders, and just like asking Flacco to throw it around the field, like that's that's not what this offense is going to be able to do. But the real truth is, there were more plays on the field. They just got negated by Garrett Bowles' four holding penalties. And Garrett Bowles' four holding penalties, which is the main focus. But I think then Ron Leary had two himself, which is five over two games for him. Yeah. Um. Well, like, Bowles, I think, is a known quantity. That's just what he's going to do. But Leary, he's the guy who you said last week, they didn't make him practice at all, which I get. Like, he was he's a vet. He does his thing. He's coming off of an injury. But holy hell, man, if, like, now seven games into the 
season, counting the five preseason games. Where is the consistency and um, discipline that you have to expect from your team from day one? It it really just feels like somehow Vance Joseph is still the coach of the team, and they're just letting all these things go. And Joe Woods is the defensive coordinator. Yeah. I mean, I, this was always my concern about Vance Joseph more than – I think just how bad he was, it was what's it doing to the culture of the Broncos. And right now there is no culture of the Broncos. Like whatever they had when they won the Super Bowl is completely gone. Absolutely. And I mean, it, you think guys like TJ Ward, Aqib Tlaib, who are not like the most, forgive me for the euphemism, high character guys. Um, that Poor Ward. <laughs> 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 Getting thrown in there with Talib, yeah. but yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and it's just well, then the guys who are gonna like punch you in the mouth. It doesn't seem like anyone is willing to do that on the defensive end. Besides Chubb, who was all over the field every time. I thought Von Miller made a play. It was actually Chubb making a play, plus the plays that Chubb was making. Um, but it's especially looking at the fact that. Minka Fitzpatrick, a first-round cornerback um, in 2018, demanded a trade, and the Steelers just got him from the app. I think it would actually be more fun podcast if we were talking about the Miami Dolphins, who have scored three points versus, I think, the like 85 points that they've given up in the last two games. Um, that would almost be more fun because it's like an epic level of losing. But... The Broncos were said to be in the running for Minka Fitzpatrick, didn't pull the trigger and um, offer a first-round draft pick. Now Pro Bowl um, corner Jalen Ramsey um, has demanded a trade from Jacksonville. And I read, a, I think, a CBS Sports article saying the primary landing spots for him would be Kansas City, L.A. Chargers, and Oakland Raiders. The... Broncos were not on that list. So in a situation where they could improve but probably won't by picking up an all-pro cornerback, someone in their division is likely to get better. So it's it's tough because, like, so far I think they've had, out of the four two games, eight total quarters. We've seen three decent quarters um, and maybe – Four drives where it's like, okay, this team can be good. Um, it it really is. It's like it could be good if they just had like replacement level line play. Like that's all you're asking for. Yeah, I mean Elijah Wilkerson, who's like supposed to be the backup to every single um, player on the line, he's looked good filling in for the spots that he's had to. But my goodness, with Bowles and Leary, so far, they've killed a handful of drives that I think have gotten at least past the 50. Like, um, Lindsey had a great run on the left side and it was negated. I think it was like a 20-yard run that was absolutely negated. Um, and Sutton's big pass of the day, I think, was negated by uh, – or big catch of the day was also negated by one of Bowles' holding penalties. So – the big storyline in the NFL this weekend was the quarterbacks that went down. Um, ben Roethlisberger is done for at least the year, if not forever. Um, they did sign Paxton Lynch to their practice squad to try to bring in some <laughs> might there. Um, Drew Brees is gone. 
at least six weeks, and he's going to be replaced by Teddy Bridgewater, which I think they gave up a third-round pick for Bridgewater last year. Yeah, he's like the best backup in the league as they were billing him anyway. Yeah, well, you would think that, but wait for this quote. So Sam Darnold has mono. He can't play because they're afraid his spleen is about to explode. Someone on the Jets told the Monday Night Football crew, crew, we don't think of Trevor Simeon as a backup. We look at him as a starter who happens to play on the same team as Sam Darnold. <laughs> Good. So Simeon comes in for Darnold on Monday night, gets hurt in the second quarter, and is done for the year. He's on IR, yeah. so that's all over. His ankle absolutely snapped. So now you have two starting quarterbacks who can't play. And that's the as we are wont to complain about the Broncos – I have to remember, it could be worse. You could be a team in the AFC East, um, either the Dolphins or the Jets that got absolutely pummeled last night. Yeah, Sam Darnold out with mono, which you think a guy like Darnold would have gone through USC and gotten mono early in his career, in college career. Um, but I guess he was a straight arrow and finally the New York It was lifestyle. just the New York water supply. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> You're going to New York next week. Bottled water. Just bottled water. Oh, yeah. 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 Jeez. Um, so, continuing on with our fun football wrap-up of the week, uh, the CU Buffaloes lost to Air Force 30-23 to in overtime. CU started with a 10-point lead, then trailed 23-10 to before another fourth-quarter comeback. Air Force notched a 25-yard run on the first play of overtime by Caden Rimsburg. And that ended up being the winner. So you could not convert on their first play of overtime. Uh, LaVisca Schnolt had a rushing and passing touchdown. He came back alive. And Montez had a rough day. He was 26 of 43 for two touchdowns and an interception. The big problem was CU's corners gave up big plays. And CU could not stop the triple option offense that Air Force runs. Yeah, man. And that's... I think it was NCAA football 2006 was the first time that you could run the option. And Air Force was running it like they had it on freshman mode on that video game because they found every single hole, every exploitation um, to bowl-level supremacy. So although it's a bummer to see CU um, lose in what could have been a 3-0 start, a big screw you to the um, uh, media who said they were only going to be a three-win team. It was nice to see another Colorado team come into a game that they weren't expected to win and absolutely punch CU in the teeth with that uh, triple option. And CU had been practicing against this all summer. Like They knew this was going to be a problem. They really wanted to stop it, and they still couldn't. This is the best I think I've seen Air Force run this triple option. Like It is... Really impressive. They play Boise State this weekend, um, which is a huge game for them. Uh, Air Force has never won the Mountain West. Meanwhile, the other Mountain West team, CSU, lost to Arkansas 55-34 to to drop to 1-2 and two on the season. So. Yeah. Shucks. Um, FIBA's over. Basketball, let's move out of the football. Um, as you can see, I'm clinging on with dear life to any basketball updates possible. But FIBA is over. Spain beat Argentina for the championship. Um, our boy Wancho played great throughout the entire um, tournament, which 
I don't know if that's going to translate to a minutes battle for the Nuggets. He had pretty much fallen out of the rotation um, in the second half of the season after stepping up big when th- after injuries. Um, the dude looks solid. I, like That's really where it plays in the chemistry of teams. Um, surprisingly, Serbia got bounced um, out of any of the medal um, contention. And early on, they looked like the team to beat because they just had amazing ball movement. Jokic only playing 20 minutes a game, came in and was just impactful the whole time. Spain played a faster style of offense and uh, really ran it through Ricky Rubio, who became the MVP of the tournament. So, happy for Spain, but it brings up an interesting question I have. No one watched FIBA. It's all right. I watched like four terrible YouTube streams before I finally gave up on it. But I'm really interested. There is no World Cup for American football, and there never will be. What would have to happen for basketball to become like the second big sport in the U.S., if not the world behind soccer? I think um, there's a lot of... Uh, merit to the game of basketball, and the final four teams were Spain, Argentina, France, and Australia. So you've got a wide array of different countries that have world-class basketball programs. How can we translate that into higher viewership so maybe I can watch FIBA um, on... Or the Nuggets. Maybe so I can watch the Nuggets without a damn contract negotiation. Well, I mean, I think it's an interesting question... At least here, you know, American football, there are so many problems around the NFL. Like, it, it, currently it exists despite all of its problems. Basketball, you don't have that problem anymore. It used to be that everyone thought that all the basketball players were thugs. Like, it almost ruined the NBA because all their players were getting in trouble all the time. Like, there was, you know, massive drug use, all of these issues. Yeah. And that's not the case at all anymore. Like at least as far as a marketable stars, there are probably 10, 15 NBA players that are as marketable as Tom Brady. Yeah. And I think that that, like at least on the individual level, I think it's working. I think the question is, how do you develop basketball players in foreign countries to be at the level that American players are consistently? And I think that that's the hard problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to figure out how to Train tall people to also be athletic. (laughs) Which I think, you know, I don't know that much about being a trainer, but that seems like it would be hard if you didn't work with a lot of tall people to figure out how do you do that because it has to be different. True, true. And you see, like, the very fit tall guy, you're like, oh, he has to be a basketball player. But there are, I know, plenty of very tall people who are very awkward and would have as much trouble making a layup as I do in any given situation. But, it, I mean, it's just an interesting phenomenon. The, as the NBA does their outreach, they have an African development program, a European development program, Asian, Australia. That we now have more stars from all across the world, whereas it really feels like there's like 15 counties in the south where all of our football players come from. And I'm just interested in seeing the diversification of that. Because you're right, the 
NFL is surviving despite its problems. Like Jay Z is not going to be able to come in and save all of the issues that the NFL has. But I think is we can tell from opening day, despite some of the boycotts that have happened in the NFL, the fans are still showing up and yeah. in absolute droves. Like my um, field becomes a sizable city any Sunday, whereas um, even on great nights, no way the Nuggets could compete with that. And yeah, I think that like it's still a long ways. Like we're probably looking way down the road, but the NFL has some like definite flashpoints where things could get really bad. If one of their big stars ever was seriously hurt on the field, I think that that would probably change a lot of the way that we view football. And it just seems like a matter of time before that eventually happens. Yeah, and then I mean it's just. So insane. As much crazy stuff has happened in the league over the last few months even, and now with the injuries to like perennial stars like Roethlisberger and Brees. And luck retiring. Like, and luck retiring, of it's course. It's like yeah. the extinction of the quarterback suddenly. Yeah, except for Tom Brady, yeah. who um, I picked him up in fantasy. It's worked out great, but it's – the NFL, I feel, just has like a lot of more variables – that needs to stay somewhat consistent. Whereas I'm just excited to see an upcoming NBA season featuring um, MVP prospects from multiple different countries, multiple different styles, and all of them just high-character dudes. Like, back in the day, you had a Kobe Rabe case, AI doing everything, and then... Yeah, just a litany of problems like the malice in the palace. Um, shout out to David Stern. People thought it was kind of messed up that he made players wear suits instead of coming in and changing and whatnot. But ask Russell Westbrook. He seemed to have embraced that idea that I have to wear suits into the games. And it's really become a different personality to the league that I'm excited to see growing while still watching football and just hoping that I can cheer for a team that puts on a <laughs> solid – I just want four full quarters. I don't think we've seen a full quarter, full four-quarter execution from the Broncos in five years now. It sure doesn't seem like it. It's really hard to think of a game where you'd be like, man, they played an all-around solid football game. Yeah, you can have an all-around solid football game and still lose. I'm fine with that. I just want to see it happen. Well, they go to Green Bay this weekend, so that should be an exciting <laughs> matchup. Um, so the other big news through the week is that Avalanche training camp started last Thursday. The big talk around the Avalanche right now is that they have four solid lines, and that is without Miko Rantanen and with some backups. They, Joe Sackick, as good of a job he's, as he has done, has completely transformed the way that Colorado looked by bringing in a lot of guys. He brought in Nazem Kadri with the trade with Toronto, which is where Tyson Berry went. Um, Jonas Donskoy, who was on that Sharks team that beat the Avs, he came in and he's looking good. Like he can play on the top two lines, maybe play on the third line. Um, and then you have Burakovsky, who they got from Washington. He's playing on the top line right now while Rantanen's gone. So all of these forwards, and then um, Bellamere who's in the fourth line, they're going to have a solid fourth line this year and not just guys who are in the minors who they're bringing up to test out. Just bodies. Yeah. 
And so really the scoring has gone way up on that. And people are excited. Like it's been decades since the Avs had uh, four solid lines. So that's really exciting to see. Uh, Rantanen still hasn't signed. I don't think we should be worried until opening week. Like if it becomes October 1st and he doesn't have a contract, then you worry that he hasn't signed. It's a whole restricted free agency holdout situation. Mm. Um, So the big questions right now are when will Rantanen sign and will Bowen Byron make the team? He's going to play. We're recording this on Tuesday. He's going to play in the first preseason game. Everyone around the team thinks he has a good chance to make it, but people think the Avs may have, they at least have the best young defensive core in the league. And I think that by the end of the year, there's a chance they might have the best defensive core in the league of six guys with eight to 10 guys who could play in the, in the NHL. And two years ago, they had three guys that could play in the NHL and that was it. And they needed six every night. It was like the turnaround is so crazy that I think there's just no reason to not be excited. Kadri looks like he is going to be the best of these acquisitions playing on that second line. Everyone is so impressed with the way he looks. Um, So I'm really excited. They'll play at Vegas um, in that game that will have already happened by the time this podcast comes out or here at Pepsi Center against Vegas and then a few more preseason games, but a lot of optimism around a team that uh, everyone was already optimistic about. Wow. Um, So I don't think the Rockies are yet mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. So um, let's take the four teams that are currently playing or about to start playing. Do you think the Avs have the best chance of um, bringing a chip back home to Denver? Yeah. I mean, part of that is just because of how the NBA works and the Nuggets still needing someone to meet Jokic's level, Mm. um, which maybe will happen. And then we'll be like, they could win a championship this year. Um, I'll be still beating heart. It's possible the Avs win this year, but it's it's likely they can compete for at least the next five years with the team that they have, which is a long time in hockey Yeah, uh, without having to do a lot of retooling. Um, They're in pretty good contract situations. In three years, it's going to be a little tight. They're probably going to have to make some tough decisions. But as long as the goaltending holds out, that's the other thing that we just don't exactly know. Like Grubauer looked great at the end of the season and in the playoffs, but goalies are fickle. Mm. They have really no proven backups. Um, their backup right now hasn't played in the NHL other than he sat on the end of the bench a couple times last year. Um, Francois, I think is his name. And they only have two other goalies in the whole system. So they're, that's the big concern. Um, but it's a lot easier when you have a solid defense in front of you, which the Avs just haven't had for years. Mm. Like They have not had a team that was like this since before the first lockout, 2003, 2004. So this is, it's exciting. Like really they should compete in the West. Um, excited to see where things go. And it starts in two weeks. Hey. Um, on the Rockies note, they have won four in a row as we're recording this. They will not lose a hundred games. <laughs> Everything's turning around down there at 20th and Blake. They've actually put together a few really good games with a few quality starts from, Pitchers, I think Sensatella played last night and did all right, but then the Rockies' bats were able to hold up too. So let's just 
take a moment to think back if this were June and the Rockies had won four games in a row, how good we would feel. That's not the case whatsoever. It is the end of the season. You can get very cheap tickets now. So let's go cheer on our Rockies. Um, They're having a Charlie Blackman appreciation night uh, Saturday the 28th. Oh, Um, really? Is that kind of foreboding? Yeah. So uh, maybe go support Charlie Blackman at least one more time. (sighs) Um, Until next week, Quinn's going to New York, so uh, he won't be around, but we'll have some episode of the Denver's next week. All righty. Well, Derek, peace. Peace.